another very special episode of Yeah, We Read It. I'm your host, Maggie. And I'm also your host. My name's Laura. And we are, I believe, don't fact check me on this, on the fifth book in the John Green series. I think that's right. The Fall of Our Stars. I'll I'll fact check it. I'm pretty sure it's right. And this was a pretty big one. Um, He really hit it home with this one he got a nice little movie deal um i mean we all most of us know what the fault in our stars is it's about um hazel grace falling in love with augustus waters they both are either recovering or um struggling with cancer and um they fall in love you know like romeo and juliet the fault in our stars yeah and we have a guest joining us for this episode as we do on john green's season Hey, guest, introduce yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. My name is Elena, and I am friends with Maggie and Laura. Yeah! Um, our time in Chicago. Now, two of us are in the South, so Laura, you're the last one to come down here. <sighs> yeah, I'll move, I'll move to New Mexico next week just to really catch up to you guys. <laughs> Please, faster the better. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys, I, well, go ahead. I was just going to bring up the armadillos. There's armadillos in the South. That's it. Yeah. I've never seen an armadillo dead or alive. So yeah, I, when I first moved to Texas, I was shocked by the cacti. I was like, oh my God. I was like pointing at them everywhere. So I was like, this is crazy. I'm in the desert. Um, Also palm trees down here too, which was crazy. That's pretty crazy. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, yes. Hi, I'm Elena and I read The Falls in Our Stars. (laughs) Yes, you did. And Elena, we ask all of our guests this. Um, what is your past or uh, only if, if that applies experience with, uh, both John Green and this book? Oh, good question. Um, so my experience with John Green is that I think in like high school, I tried to read looking for Alaska and I couldn't, I tried twice because someone, I feel like I had heard it was a good book and I tried twice and I couldn't get through it. I never could finish it. Uh, then I read, Uh, Paper Towns in high school and I actually liked that one and I think that actually might be I haven't Mm. I haven't read it since high school but I think that might be my favorite John Green book Um, but to be fair I've only read that one and I've read The Fault in Our Stars Um, I read The Fault in Our Stars I think because it got a lot of like attention right when it came Mm -hmm. out and it came out what like right at the end of high school early college so I must have read it around then I have it I have a copy at home with my parents and now I have two copies so that's cool um and yeah I thought the book I think I remember being fine with the book and crying Mm -hmm. like I was supposed to I was supposed to cry and I cried and then I remember the movie coming out and going to the theater with friends to watch it and crying in the theater and then never thinking or touching that book or movie again until right now yeah I can absolutely relate to that I read it I think like tail end of high school maybe freshman year of college cried and then saw the movie cried and then never touched the book again (laughs) um I actually read the book when I had the stomach flu so I was extra sad reading it like the first time not this time I thought you were gonna say that you thought you had cancer No, 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 no. I, I literally, like, I just, stomach hurts, so I, I read this, I read this book on New Year's Eve when I had the stomach flu, I think in between my, like on my freshman year winter break, that's when I first read it. Okay. Um, 
and I never reread it. Um, on that note, that was kind of a downer. Wow. Speaking of downers, let's talk about The Fault in Our Stars. Um, let's dive into this book, shall we, everyone? Yes. All That's right. True. So, yeah. Uh, so, we are introduced to Hazel Grace, who is our protagonist. This is our first time we get John Green writing a protagonist um, of, a, of a female character. Uh, she has thyroid cancer and depression. That is her big thing. She also loves America's Next Top Model, which I can relate to. When I was 16, I would just binge watch marathons of America's Next Top Model. You do. Yes. You do love America's Next Top Model. In her, her cancer's in her lungs as well, right? Yes. yes. She has so thyroid cancer. She has thyroid, but it's also, it's spread. And so yes. that's, mm-hmm. so Hazel Grace is, they live in Indiana, which is pretty gross. Um, really nasty. Uh, <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's the, the most disgusting part of this book is that they live in Indiana. <laughs> the most tragic part awful. of this book. Um, um, but, she, uh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you go, you go, Elena. I was just going to say that she, we learned that she, we learned her backstory like really fast. We learned mm-hmm. that she almost died of cancer when she was 13. And then some miracle drug that doesn't exist in real life is keeping her cancer at bay, but it's still, it's, she's not cured. It's yeah. just like keeping her. It's, it's prolonging her death essentially. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. In, in the yeah, simplest she was of like terms. One of these like miracle people who tried this drug fell in next of her. Um, and it slowed yeah. the growth of cancer in her. She's like one in a 20th percentile. It seems like, um, and she has had thyroid cancer since 13. Her parents took her out of school for the past three years. And so she doesn't really have any friends besides her two parents. She says they're her best friends and books. She's a book. And one book in particular. One book. One book in, her, in particular. But also her parents are pretty dope. Like if those are going to be your only two friends, like they're pretty, they're pretty cool people. Yeah. Um, and Hazel also frequents this support group at her mother's encouragement for, um, you know, 12 to 18 year old cancer patients. Um, and she has a friend in that support group named Isaac. We mm-hmm. learned that Isaac has a uh, one glass eye and he's about to lose the other and go blind completely, uh, which is very, very sad. Yeah, pretty sad. But he does have a super banging girlfriend. Her name is Monica. Yeah. Um, so- her tits are large. He's touching her tits yes. a lot. Yeah. His tits are large. We can't verify it as readers. <laughs> Might be an unreliable protagonist. <laughs> But it is funny that like the only things we know about Monica is that like Isaac likes to touch her tits. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's the wish that he's gotten is touching but, Monica's tits. That's so funny. Uh, but one day in support group, there's a there's a new guy in town, and we learn that he's besties with Isaac. His name's Augustus Waters, and he is actually a survivor of cancer. He has been cancer free for like. I think 14 months now is what they said. Um, and he's a little, he's a little charismatic gem in this little lifeless room of support that they have. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Yes, he is a survivor of bone cancer and he lost his leg. I think it was his left one. Um, mm-hmm. So it stops at like above the knee. I kind of read it as. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he loses his knee as well. Yeah, that's a really mm-hmm. important detail. <laughs> really I can remember that very specifically. Yeah. Um, so he wears a prosthetic, so he walks with a little bit of a limp. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Augustus is actually going to approach Hazel after this support group. They have a little like exchange about how he fears the oblivion in the support group. And he approaches her after and calls her beautiful. So he's just going to dive right in and lay it on thick. Honestly, yeah. the way to my heart too, if I was like, I'm afraid of oblivion and someone said we should ignore oblivion because no one's that important to be remembered. I, I would be like, damn, that's kind of hot. Yeah. Yeah, do you feel like his approach to her in which she was like, you're hot, do you want to go watch V for Vendetta at my house, would have worked on you guys when you were 16? Absolutely, I think it would have. Oh, yeah. Natalie Brown yeah. was so cool in that movie. Yeah, no, and I also feel like I knew guys like that in high school who would just like be like, yep, I'm going to lay it on thick and I'm just going to, no boundaries, I'm just going to go for it. And it usually worked for them, so. Yeah, I think he's really confident, which is definitely a turn on for her, who's probably, she's probably never experienced that sort of confidence. I bet people are, yeah. used to people like tiptoeing around her, I'm sure. Exactly, yeah, she's probably, and especially like what, she got this cancer when she was 13, yeah. so now it's like, now she has a guy hitting on her. This is new territory. New waters, if you will, because that's his last oh, name. Pretty fun. But she is flying too close to the sun on how much she likes him, and it stopped in her tracks when Augustus grabs a little cigarette out of mm-hmm. his little cigarette pack and he puts it between his teeth. And she's like, "You know what? You were so hot until you did that. I'm, I'm done. Goodbye." And he runs up and catches up to her, and he's like, "This is what you. This is how you take power back. You put the killing thing between your teeth, but you don't light it." <laughs> And then she's like, the power to kill you. Yeah. Uh, And um, that's where I feel like I would have stopped liking this guy. (laughs) Like, I think originally him being confident and then inviting me to his house to watch V for Vendetta. I've been like, tight, cool, Natalie Portman. But then, like, he fake smokes a cigarette because it's, what did he call it? It was because it was a metaphor. It's a metaphor, yeah. yeah. And that's what gets her. And I was like, I would leave. Yeah, I think that would give me the ick to to no end, and I would probably leave at that point too. I um. don't think I would have, but good on you guys for having the power. <laughs> yeah. But that's also Laura and I are talking from our late twenties when Yeah, exactly. Maybe when you were sixteen it would have been different because no the guys ever looked at me. So maybe I would have been like, Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But Hazel's like, oh, okay. It's a metaphor. Cool. I like books. Uh, so she tells her mom, uh, bye. I'm going to go hang out with Augustus. And she leaves um, Isaac to go make out with Monica up against a fence uh, aggressively because they keep saying always to each other. Yeah. Um, and the way it's written makes it sound like they are just like almost banging outside of this church. Like yeah. it was laid on real thick with this little scene. Um. But yeah, then uh, Augustus drives Hazel over to his house. Yeah, yeah, he is driven. She meets his parents like right away. Um, they're they're pretty cool, but he's like, "We're gonna go watch a movie downstairs," and they're like, uh, "Nice try, buddy. You're gonna bring the movie upstairs. And you're gonna watch V for Vendetta up here where we can see you." Um, yeah. you get you get. Listen, they can still they can still have sex. Whatever. Yeah, and know. Augustus Waters has the whole basement to himself. That's like yeah. his bedroom. He's got a bunch of basketball trophies because he used to be somewhat of a basketball star, star before he lost his leg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he never really liked it as much as I think his dad wanted him to like it. Uh, and mm-hmm. in the movie, which I just watched, um, Ooh. <laughs> uh, for one thing, um. Okay, Hazel Grace's parents 
are played by Laura Dern and Sam Trammell, and they're really, really hot. So not only are they cool parents, but they're really <gasps> They're parents. insanely hot, damn. They're just really wow. fucking hot parents. That's what I'm awesome. like, you guys are going to be so good after Hazel dies. Like, I'm sure you'll be, like, devastated, but you guys are, like, so hot. Yeah. Um, and then also- Hot people could get through anything. <laughs> they really can. Um, and then she, she goes into the basement with uh, Augustus. So the parents never said anything about them going into the basement. Yeah, and they straight up bone down there. No, they didn't. But like, no. they could have. not yet. They could have. Um, no, not yet. No, um, but but, um, but they don't. But maybe. Oh, we're not. Um, <laughs> but Augustus, he's not done laying it, laying on his little charm. So he's like, Hazel, tell me what your deal is. Like, what do you do outside of have cancer? Mm-hmm. Um, and Hazel's whole thing is that she likes reading. And Augustus is like, so you want to be a writer? And she's like, nope, I just like to read. And Augustus is blown away because he's never met a girl who likes to read more and doesn't want to become a writer. Um, so they do. Impossible, have- I think. Impossible, yeah. right? You know, <laughs> you can't have one without the other. Um, he's but like, they you don't want to monetize this? Wow. <laughs> Someone who just exists to enjoy things? Impressive. That's so funny. Just how did become famous? become famous what no but they do a book swap so hazel's gonna give him her favorite book by peter von houten an imperial affliction which is a made-up book that exists in this world and he's gonna give her the first in a book series that's based off of a video game that i did not write the name down price of uh, dawn. not a real video game i don't think not a real uh video game Ray, what's the name Ray watched price of, of dawn yeah and was like this isn't real like really knew it wasn't real yeah great vibe checked you real fast there (laughs) yeah really i really love the juxtaposition here of like a a, the first of a 12 book series about a guy price of dawn or whatever where captain mayhem's just killing people Uh versus an imperial affliction which is just like a like a cute little story about a girl who has cancer and her mother's about to marry someone new um if you've read any like the clips of that book in this book the clips of an, an imperial affliction in the fault in our stars i think it sounds like an incredibly frustrating book to read oh yeah like so yeah over the top. i was Dense. like oh my god yeah it's like Dense 600 pages and then it ends in the middle of a sentence because the protagonist has cancer and dies and i'm sorry if someone i had a crush on made me read that i would be like why did i just waste my time i wouldn't be like this is beautiful art it'd probably be beautiful art but i'd be like really pissed off i'd be like are you playing with me do you yeah, like actually like-, like me what's that book that everyone makes fun of infinite jest um- I was going to say, this feels like infinite jest. Yep, That's I was really thinking the funny. same thing. I could totally yeah. see that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, they're hanging out in the basement. Yeah. That's, and that's the book that she recommends to him. They text later on in Price of Dawn. He is like, don't text me until you finish it. And she's like, well, I assume you put your phone number in the front of this book. And he did. Because he's yep. got moves. So, and, yep. Sorry, so, go ahead. So, no, that's, go ahead. that's he's go. just got moves. That's all he's got to nope. say. Yep, and they're going to agree to hang out again once they've both finished the respective party's book. Mm-hmm. Um, she's and- zooming. She's already gotten the second and third one the next day at the mall. Yeah, she yeah. does. Yeah, she's, she's going to hang out with her, her cancerless friend, Caitlin, uh, for her half birthday. Um, and the, the whole exchange with Caitlin, it just, it felt really sad. This was a really sad moment to reading for me because I was just like, Hazel just feels so distant from like a normal teenage girl um, to hang out. Like there's nothing wrong with Caitlyn. Like Caitlyn's like perfectly fine, perfectly nice, tries to engage in her normal conversation, but Hazel's just like over it immediately. She's like, I don't really care to look for shoes or hang out at the mall. 
Yeah, because she has yeah. depression is yeah. one thing. And I also think Caitlin has a weird British accent for some She time. does. Is that yeah. something, well, like, it's never really taught. She's, there, she's just like, she always sounds like this. <laughs> yeah, think like general, she just talks like that. <laughs> with, like, I mean, you know, Hazel has cancer, which is nothing we have been through but I think when you go through many degrees of trauma um it puts or you know like big life changes it it puts a lot of separation between you Mm -hmm. and friends and it's just that and you also kind of don't want to be with friends because they either try to empathize or pity and it seems like there's a little bit of resentment and just straight up distance between Hazel and Caitlin the fake British accent doesn't help but also (laughs) It's weird, but it also made me feel like I understood what crew Hazel, like, ran with when she was 13. Which yeah. Was, like, I don't know, like, theatery kids, probably. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, yeah, but she she ends up dipping on Caitlyn to go read her book in a corner of the mall that she knows Caitlyn will never cross, so she can just have <laughs> some time to herself. That's um, really funny. Like, it is really funny. never goes here. Yeah, right. Um, but she is going to talk to Augustus after she goes to see a movie with her mom, I think the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and when Augustus calls her, uh, we can hear Isaac sobbing in the background. Um, so she's going to go hang out with them. And she quickly finds out that Isaac has gotten dumped by his girlfriend uh, because she doesn't think that uh, she wants to have a blind boyfriend, which is horrible. Yeah, because he's about to get the surgery that makes him go blind. We can cancel her. I get it. But it's also fair. She's like 16 or 17. Yeah. You're going to break up with your your high school boyfriend anyway. And then you're also like, am I, I can imagine this being really shitty if you guys are like devoted to each other for like five years, six years. And then like, she's like, bye. But like the fact that they were dating for just a chunk of time and then she it's shitty right because she does it just before surgery and like all this stuff but also like she's young like she probably doesn't need to date this guy forever you're right what if i was like i disagree she does have to date this guy forever (laughs) because high school means everything she's morally obligated um (laughs) we also learned augustus was kind of in the same situation as little isaac and monica in the sense that he had an ex-girlfriend who died of what we come to learn is brain cancer later on Mm -hmm. and um this really gets uh in hazel's hazel's brain um in the back of her conscious she'll look it up later but as of right now she's very excited because gus has gotten in contact with like the author of imperial affliction um through his assistant and she's like you gotta give me that email bud you gotta give me the juice i gotta know i gotta text him yeah, this is a, a glimmer of hope because Hazel's been writing fan mail to him for years. Um, but it's also kind of a, um, a not a glimmer of hope because Peter, the author, has said like, oh, I'm done writing. Like, I, I'm not doing that. I'm glad you liked my book, essentially. Uh, but Hazel's really determined to get some answers from this book because it's her favorite. And she wants to know how it actually should have ended. Um, so she actually does send an email to him. Um, and then actually Augustus and Hazel stay up late talking that night after they talk about this email mm-hmm. and they start to talk about kissing. So things are heating up. And if I'm, yeah. if I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong. They stay up till 1am talking on the phone. Yeah. La la. Which is pretty crazy for high school. Yeah. That, I mean, that's a lot. That's a, that's late for high school. You, I used to have to wake up for, at like five or 6am for high school. <laughs> They just talk about kissing. They talk um, until 1 a.m. 
Yeah, they just talk till 1 a.m. Um, okay. The next day, Isaac is fully blind. He's he's cancer-free, but he's blind now. Hazel's going to go to see him. He's still upset about Monica. Um, and then she ends up getting him flowers at the hospital. Um, and then this is when Peter actually writes Hazel back. And he technically invites her to Amsterdam. And like her parents are like, oh, we're going to have to think about it. Um, but she's got a glimmer of hope. And then this is when uh, Hazel calls Augustus to tell him um, what's going on with this. And this is when uh, Augustus learns that she used her her Make-A-Wish essentially oh. on Disney. Okay. Wait, yeah. sorry. This probably is a stupid thing to go back on, but he tells her about Amsterdam then, and then he finds out she used her wish? I feel like it's the opposite. No. So she uses her she he figures out that she uses her wish and then later on they go on a picnic um and then he brings he brings all that orange stuff yeah so after he learns that she has the wish um that she used to go to disney world he comes over the next day with flowers and he's mm-hmm. like do you want to go on a picnic and her parents are like okay buddy she's got some bad lungs you gotta go easy on her <laughs> yeah. yeah and she's like frustrated she's, she's gonna like, get too excited like and, and augustus is like her. girl you might have used your wish but i'm still one wish in profit so i want to go to amsterdam is my wish so he's basically going to use his wish to um continue to woo um hazel, hazel. yeah and her mom is gonna ask the genies if she can go too and her mom is like kind of all on board for it her dad is like are we are we sure it's okay and her mom's like honestly maybe this is a good thing but now hazel's wondering which i actually really liked this part um if she was like god do now do i owe augustus things because like he touched me he's doing this really grand um gesture and and do i have to kiss him in amsterdam and like i mean i get that when guys guys do yeah you know things like that i was like this is a very female thing who the fuck did john talk to and she didn't like ask for it so here's a small parenthesis here one thing is that hazel grace even though john is writing from her perspective is still a manic pixie dream girl for augustus waters even though like it's not how he usually writes which is Mm -hmm. like augustus waters point of view Mm -hmm. uh so i think that's interesting because like she's still like this like high priority for him and it's like whoa guy and then second so as i was reading this book i was like how does he how does john green know all these like intricacies about cancer and like children Mm -hmm. with cancer and so i guess like he used to be a chaplain at a hospital Mm. that was with kids with cancer and he made a friend there named esther earl and she had cancer and he like was her friend and like mm-hmm. she really loved his books and she was a fan and then she passed away. So this book is dedicated to Esther Earl. So just to clarify, oh, wow. I think, yeah, I was, yeah. yeah, like when I was reading this, I was like, how the hell does John Green know like these kids making fun of like going to Disney for your wish or like how they feel about pain? Like mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. it's so internal. Um I think like it's just because he spent so much time yeah. with these kids. Um and I think that's really important because mm-hmm. not everyone's gonna do that when they write these books. Yeah. 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 It was really intricate and I was really surprised by like the things he knew and mm-hmm. also um how he handled the material. Yeah, it made it sound like maybe this Esther Earl <laughs> who he was friends with was 
she was she was probably a, a kind of Hazel Grace character. Yeah. Like, sarcastic and like funny and kind of really chill and depressed about dying. And maybe that's how he balanced it when he was writing it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think he also helped get some of like her like essays or stories published into a book. It was called like the star won't Aww. go out or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Nice things. He, so he yeah, no. spent a lot of time in that field I mean just it is yeah. raw when you read it because he's also coming from her point of view mm-hmm. like yeah having someone with pain like, yeah. yeah 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 no I think I think John Green did such a good job writing just a female protagonist with this book it was just like I it was like a lot more relatable than I think a lot of the female protagonists we read even by like female authors so I have oh, nothing yeah. but like good things to say about how he wrote Hazel as just a, a person outside of having cancer and I think um, yeah. better suited writing from the Manic Pixie Dream Girl like point of view rather than writing from the point of the view of the boy. Like yeah. I kind of like it better that because like then she has this she has those thoughts where she's like, do I owe him anything? Yeah, like, doing this stuff for me even though I didn't ask him, and suddenly he's so obsessed with me. Like what? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It is kind of crazy that he gives like humanity to his female characters mm-hmm. and not much to his guy characters. Yeah. Um, at all Um, because the next scene is also like very relatable in that she is now creeping on Augustus's ex but doesn't have like the kind of I mean I don't know if it's like underlying insecurity that we would have and like you know exes got hot exes Elena knows yeah Yeah. Um, but she her since his ex died from brain cancer Hazel is like is that gonna be me am I just gonna hurt Gus and she starts like really freaking out um and being yeah. like, I just need to put an end to this already. We need boundaries, which is yeah. we're not going to do anything. She yeah, she's very worried she's going to be a grenade in his life. And she texts uh, Augustus like straight up saying, we can never kiss. And he's like, okay, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> and they're, but they're like little thing they do to show they still like each other is just saying okay to each other. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like how the other blind boy does like always, always, always. Yeah. Like, saying like, okay, okay. And there was like a cute exchange where she's like, okay. And then he writes, oh my God, stop flirting with me. And yeah. Like, <laughs> what would be your okay with your partners? Oh, I have no idea. Ours would probably be sushi just because Anna always wants sushi. <laughs> sushi? Sushi. Uh, I don't I'll think about it and I'll get back. Yeah, I'll have to think about it too. Mine probably might be like an emoji of sorts or something. Ooh. Yeah. Emojis are good. I'll think on it. I'll think on it too. Um, Oh, shoot. Where were we? Oh, okay. Now, shift in the book. Hazel wakes up in the middle of the night in extreme pain and she's not getting enough oxygen. She's rushed to the hospital. We find out there's liquid in her lungs. So she is out of commission for a few days, um, mm-hmm. getting getting just back in gear in the in the hospital. Um, she has a really nice nurse in in, in her like week long stay there. Um, and she says the nurse says that there's a boy in the waiting room for her, but uh, mm-hmm. her family won't let him come see her because she also doesn't really baby. want him to see her in that yeah fair absolutely she has like a pump uh attached to her lung and it's Mm -hmm. draining the liquid in her lungs which is pretty nasty i think they said it was like a liter and a half that came out yeah yeah Yeah, i think it was so much um also yikes to point out she doesn't have any more tumor growth so they were able to also scan her body like and check after she had all like the fluid in her. i think she did it before she had the fluid in her lungs Mm -hmm. but she yeah. uh, 
she's like no more cancer growth, but she still has all the same issues that like she had before. So it's like mm-hmm. she's so sad. she's gonna she's, she's gonna need to use like a BiPAP to help her breathe uh, throughout the night. That's the new the new instrument that she gets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, really quick. I don't have cancer, and I obviously I don't have cancer, um, and I obviously don't have liquid in my lungs. But when I was a freshman in college, I had the lining of my lungs like dissipated. Oh my god! Uh, and it was super painful, and I couldn't breathe a lot. And there was one time I wasn't supposed to run, and I ran to a class because the doctor was like, "Don't run. You're gonna make your lungs worse." And I got to the class and I swear, not breathing is the worst fucking thing in the yeah. whole world. Elena. So- <laughs> Elena, you like literally suffocated yourself by running. It's because it's because you didn't know me yet to drive you around. You hadn't broken broken your leg. Toes, Maggie drove broke me everywhere. But when my lungs were bad, Maggie was nowhere to be found. Yeah, nowhere to be found. Like, didn't know you. Bad yet. timing. Listen, <laughs> I didn't know you yet. I didn't know you. Yeah, but you had, I feel like your ears were twitching. You were like, Elena's got a problem. A girl somewhere in Iowa is sick and I need to take care of her. I can fix it. You could have been my Hazel Grace. I could have been your Augustus. Um, so, but you couldn't be my Hazel Grace because um, Hazel Grace in this book, this is my segue, is going home a week later. Um, she tells Augustus boundaries, no touch, no touch. And he's like, that's fine, but can I entice you with, may perchance my, I entice me lady with a letter from Peter, the author of Imperial Affliction, and she's like, may chance you may. <laughs> the, the letter is essentially, okay, well, first of all, I love this part, because the letter is like, um, Gus has talked to Peter, this random author, about their situation, and, the, and so Gus is sharing with Hazel that Peter is like, Maybe just kiss her. I don't know. Um, but also maybe draw boundaries because it sounds like she's dying. So don't do that. Um, and he's really invested in both of them now and their little fault in our stars loves cross story. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, I got to meet him because he's so invested in us. I got to meet him now. Yeah, and Augustus also says he got he has an update from the the Wish team, and they they do have some dates lined out that they could go to Amsterdam. Um, so they just kind of have to get the okay from doctors. Um, and the next day, like uh, Hazel and her parents meet with like their whole cancer team. Um, and the cancer team kind of gets to the conclusion like, hey, something bad might happen there, but something bad might happen here. It's really up to you. Uh, like you know, we have the technology to get you there, but like you know, in your condition, accidents could really happen whenever. But like, there's not really a reason why you shouldn't go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but her parents didn't really want to hear that, so they're like, mm, we have to think about it still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it they make a point where they're like, the plane is full of oxygen because of. Yeah. Yeah. Thing that comes down from the from the ceiling and yeah. she really wants to go. There was one doctor who's like, no. And then her cool doctor is like, maybe. So yeah. it's up in the air. Up in the air. But on the phone that night, um, they're gonna talk some more and, and Augustus lays it on the line that he is a virgin. So they're 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 upgrading their levels of intimacy in this conversations that they're having. Yeah. They're not even dating yet. We like, we learn he's a virgin. About, doesn't she think about that girl, Caroline? Yeah, Caroline. Yeah, yeah. But like, 
she could be the first. She could be the one. Um, she's really she's really selling it home too because she calls him the next day crying, and he's like, maybe it's maybe this is the time to lose my virginity. I'm kidding, he's not. But um, <laughs> she's crying because she wants to talk about life. Um, she is on her childhood swing set, and she's like, I had so many good memories with my dad on it, and he's like, maybe we should list the swing set. Maybe we should just get rid of it because he says something like, nostalgia is death or something. Yeah, nostalgia only comes when you're dying like yeah yeah something yeah, like no, that this, this whole scene's really sad because like hazel can't make it to the swing set like it's too far away in her backyard um so augustus comes to the rec- rescue they decide to list it online mm-hmm. um and then they spend the rest of the afternoon reading an imperial affliction to each other mm-hmm. um but hazel says she's falling in love during this not like out loud but just to the reader so um, things are ramping up fast. She says, I fell in love with him the same way you fall asleep slowly and then all at once. And I thought that was very cute. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, uh, that quote was, was everywhere cute. when I read this, like the first time around, I remember. Oh, and good important thing is that the swing set is purchased. Yes. yes. <laughs> we cannot gloss over the fact that the swing set does get a rightful new owner. Um, She made a really sad comment when she was looking at the swing set where she was just imagining like a healthy father with a healthy uh, child and like yeah. that she just doesn't have that. Like, she, yeah. It's a bad memory and it was very sad. I feel like nostalgia. And she put that yeah. in the Craigslist listing she said you know i just imagined my father and i and they were like listen i just want the swing set <laughs> i didn't need all the next one of those people you buy something online from and they just keep you there for like hours telling you the story about how they had that item the first time oh my um, god yeah that's what that just reminded me of not that that happens in this book no um, really sad because she just like is like i hate my life i can't go to amsterdam because i'm too sick yeah but the trip is back on dr maria says that the trip is back on peter's assistant messages i know listen i was just as shocked as you what happens peter's (laughs) assistant messages them he can't wait to meet gus everything is turning up peaches and oranges i don't even know if that's a word but they're gonna go may 4th so two days from today they're gonna go you guys they're going two days from today may 4th that would stress me out to no end by the way in two days you're traveling abroad have fun and, and her mom and her like fight over the suitcase they're like who who's gonna have more room mm-hmm. and her mom is like i have adult clothes and she's like but it's my trip and then they end up like somehow both losing i don't actually i think this part is so useless that i remember it but i remember it and I remember <laughs> it's important it to you it's important to us okay okay yeah, that's how this works so they are on their way to Amsterdam before this. She has like a really inconsequential interaction with Isaac. Lots of eyes in that sentence. And he invites her over to play video games. She's like, he's like, why aren't you hooking up with Gus? And she's like, I don't want to die. And he's like, point made. And <laughs> the next day they're headed to Amsterdam. They are fighting over the suitcase. They get in the car, they pull up, they get to Gus's and they overhear him yelling at his mom that it's his life to live. He can do whatever he wants. So Hazel's mom is like, well, okay, hey, we're at the door. Maybe we should. We haven't knocked yet. Let's go sit yeah. in the car. Let them have yeah. this moment. Augustus comes uh, comes out, 
smile on. It's like five something in the morning. Uh, and he's pretending like everything's all good. He's going to go disappear at the airport. It's like 6 a.m. to go find a burger. He's got to go get McDonald's. I mean, yeah. have you had one of those egg and cheese? Mc- no, not McMuffins. Oh, McGriddles. That's what I'm thinking. But he said he wanted a burger. He didn't say he wanted a breakfast sandwich. I do not know where he's going to get a burger at 6 a.m. in any airport, but good on him. I would disappear um, for a McGriddle. Make a Hulu documentary on me. Where'd I go? Get into McGriddle. I agree with you, Meg, but he didn't want a McGriddle. He wanted a burger. (laughs) (laughs) Who's to say? (laughs) Um, But he's gone for a really long time, and Hazel's like, this is weird. How long does it take to go get a burger at 6 a.m. at the airport? I mean, he doesn't come back till it's time to pre-board. And then he has the audacity to tell Hazel, hey, the reason I disappeared was because I'm really embarrassed about uh, people looking at us. Yeah. Uh, also, to clarify really quick, they're actually at the airport. I think the flight's at noon because oh. her mom wakes her up like ungodly early so they can get <laughs> That's her. why I so, thought like, it was so early. are on at the airport, so it makes yeah. more sense. That does no make more sense. Though. They are done. Yeah, the, the McGriddles end at, I think, at 1030 or something like that. <laughs> Damn so it. That would make sense. <laughs> Damn huge it. plot point. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I do feel like, I mean, Gus saying that to Hazel, I was like, ouch, that really hurts. It was the first moment where we see maybe Gus is just a person. He is not a white knight on a shiny horse for her um, because that would really hurt because it's obvious uh, they mean her. She is carrying around a large oxygen tank, so she would be the one that they are looking at, not him just kind of limping and hiding his leg. I think it might be one of the first moments in the book where you really see him like falter. Like usually yeah. he's like this cheery, like mm-hmm. cool guy who every time Hazel's like negative, he's like, Come on, Hazel, we're gonna go hang out in Indiana. Like yeah. and now it's like this moment when you're like, Oh, he's like not perfect. Uh, yeah, which makes me wonder if their relationship would survive long term because and we get this later on. He is a person of like image. He does really like his image, even mm-hmm. though you know, he bowed out of basketball, all these other things. His image is very perfectly tailored. And it seems like Hazel has no control over hers and never had. So she had to kind of abandon any care she had a while yeah. ago. And he's what's the thing? He he's afraid of oblivion. Like mm-hmm. he he doesn't want to be just some unknown dead person like that no one remembers he wants Mm -hmm. to be like known for something and to live a long time and to have success and all of these things that hazel doesn't really doesn't really care about and i think it's like that sort of back and forth where she's just like this is what it's like and he's just like no i want to be big or go home so i think that it really matters in the relationship Mm -hmm. yeah i think so Um, too but after after this whole like oh he tells her you know he was like embarrassed by the the stairs at the airport they do kind of have like a like a cute little plane time augustus does tell hazel on the plane ride that he's falling in love with her or that he does love her so um and this is his first time on a plane yeah i forgot about that go off king um but that night they get they get to the airport uh it's not an airport they get to amsterdam like they said they would um and peter and his assistant have arranged for them uh, to get this like lovely dinner at this very fancy place called like orangey um and they get to drink orangey or when i watched the movie they said it they pronounced it correctly and i was like oh keep that in mind so i actually don't know but i think it's orange. <laughs> you saw it um, though. But, 
They get to get a little tipsy on champagne, though. And that's pretty cool. I don't know if they should drink it since she is on heavy painkillers. Her tolerance is so high. Like, she... She has two cups, which is a lot for her. She can't, like, painkillers and um, sleeping pills and all of that stuff just doesn't have as much of an impact on her because, like, she is so drugged all the time. Yeah. That, like, it doesn't really matter. So I think it's okay. Yeah. Don't we quote think me on it's that. okay. Um, Elena, the resident doctor uh, today, says it's fine. So listen, tons of fucking champagne. Elena is a writer for a newspaper, and if she says you can drink on pain pills, you can drink on pain pills. You can trust a journalist <laughs> for every every uh, like medical inquiry I have. Yeah. Okay. As guys. you should. Let me say, get drunk on painkillers. It's a okay. Perfect. They have a really good dinner. They have um really fancy food that I actually don't really remember, but it sounded really yeah. fucking good reading it. Yeah. You can tell it's like a Michelin star restaurant. And after dinner, Hazel asks Gus um, about his ex Caroline who died of brain cancer. And he kind of gives her the lowdown of we met in the hospital. I saw her on a playground and was like, okay, this person's full of life. Look at this manic, manic pixie dream girl. Number one. And he essentially tells her that the tumor ate Caroline's brain and she became really mean because of it. Um, I think it kind of ate away at the section of her brain that was developed empathy. Um, she made fun of him not having a leg a lot, um, but he didn't really stumpy. feel stumpy, yeah. which is so sad. But he didn't think that he could dump her. Um, and then she just kind of died. And it seemed maybe like a relief, um, which is pretty yeah. sad. but. Yeah, I think it's also it's like, like if if you knew that that person was going, I don't think I would make their life harder by mm-hmm. by dumping them. I think I would stick it out too. Yeah, I think that's the difference maybe between what happened with him and what's happening with Isaac. Isaac, and, yeah, because he's yeah. going to live, and assumedly because they got rid of the cancer in his eyes, but like, yeah, he was on her way from like the beginning, so. It was, like, so stark how he explained, like, how he never really knew if it was her talking yeah. or the tumor talking or, like, maybe that that's not really the question because she, the tumor is her and, like, the tumor is a part of her. So, like, yeah. it's really her talking. It was, like, very, I feel like it was a really cool way of, like, framing it. Yeah. Yeah. It was very, uh, very, like, it was, a, yeah, it was a very, very, like, in-depth way of describing it. Um, but the next day is the day that they are going to meet Peter Van Houten, author of their joint favorite book now. Augustus has become a stan of the book. Um, Hazel decides to dress like the main character. Um, and they go, they knock on the door to the address they got. And things take a turn very quickly. Peter is uh, heard from the other side of the door yelling at his somebody that these people have showed up and why the fuck are they here, essentially. Yeah, he says, I didn't agree to see Americans. Yikes. And she's like, you are American. And he's like, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peter Van Houten is like, it, it talks so pretentiously, like, in an unimaginable pretentious way like I couldn't even write down any of his quotes because I was like this is just too wordy (laughs) yeah I was angry at the way he is (laughs) he did not he's supposed to be unlikable like it like this is 
uh, 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 I think a great addition to the story to talk about how you can like idolize somebody and then they're just the exact opposite of what you've idolized them to be. Um, But Peter, Peter is William Defoe in the movies. Yeah, yeah, he's he's William Defoe. He's he's fucking hot. Wow. Yeah. Ray made sure to hang out every time Willem Dafoe was on screen. Um, <laughs> but the funny thing, Willem Dafoe is great in the movie, but in the book, he's like this really, Peter's like this really fat guy who like is just super unhealthy looking, like an alcoholic, uh, obviously doesn't take care of himself, looked like maybe he hadn't showered. His house is stacked with fan mail that he's like never opened. He doesn't give a shit about any of that. He's just, he says absolutely horrible things to these kids yeah Yeah. oh my gosh he does he's evasive about their questions he's like playing swedish rap he's ranting about god knows what yeah um and he's just really condescending he's like wow all these sick kids they feel entitled to pity and they get mad at him as they should because he's being an asshole his assistant quits um, and Peter is yeah. so delusional that he's like, you didn't quit. Pour me another drink. And she's like, no, I quit. And then Hazel uh, decides to yell at Peter for being a prick. And slaps his drink out of his hand. Yeah. Hell yeah. And then she leaves. And Augustus is like very quiet throughout all of this he's kind of like i think he's like shocked like for the first time ever he doesn't know what to say yeah um, yeah at one point peter says that they are side effects in evolution mm. um which is really brutal uh and very cruel and when hazel stands up and yells at him she's like you're saying all these things like i don't already know them like i already know these things about myself oh. um and uh just answer my fucking questions because what she wants to know is what happens at the end of the book like she wants to know uh, a period affliction she wants to know what happens to the mom she wants to know what happens to the hamster hamster sisyphus the hamster and i think for her it matters so much because she's going to die and she wants to make oh, sure that life yeah. and the people that she's touched go on without her like her parents and at the moment gus and so she she's keeping this in mind and since he can't give her the answers, she's freaking out because she's like, I need to know this stuff because like, this is, this is my life. Like I see myself in this character. Yeah. yeah. She uh, feels so even it- worse too. Cause she spent like Gus's wish on yeah. this whole trip. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, go ahead. They, after they leave, you know, she's feeling really guilty and you know, Augustus is like being very much like, it's fine. It's fine. He sucks. But um, his assistant ends up chasing them down. Um, they describe hearing the plonk plonk of her of her little shoes. Um, and she apologizes profusely and says she still wants to like take them to the Anne Frank house, which was the plan all along. Um, and they and they do agree to go with her since she she just quit her job and they're like yeah we all kind of bonded over how shitty this guy is um his poor assistant though like cannot stop apologizing she is so determined to like make their trip like at least like somewhat nice after this which was really really amicable (laughs) and in the movie she's so hot again i don't want to keep bringing up hot people in the movie but like look her up guys she's like a model and i'm like who is this woman and why is she working for him she's like lottie verbeek what that's that's literally her name lottie verbeek that sounds like a made-up name she kind of looks like jessica chastain oh she does look like jessica chastain a lot she does yeah but i thought she was great i thought she was yeah i was like why are you 
why are you working for this man? I mean, this story isn't about her, but yeah, you know. but I would read a story. But now it her. is. Now it is. Um, but she's but doing the best she can. They're going to the Anne Frank's house. But there is one thing about this museum is that there are a lot of stairs. Um, and Hazel Grace is gonna have to like lug her oxygen tank up them because um, I I think like there's the attic that Anne Frank was mm-hmm. in and her diaries up there and like visitor log the famous visitor log that. Justin Bieber wrote, I bet Anne Frank would have been a believer. And and so yeah, Justin Bieber wrote, I feel like Anne Frank, if she was alive, would have been a believer. I mean, to be fair, is he wrong? Well, her sister said it is okay that he wrote that because um she probably would have been a believer. And so I don't know why it it recently came up. It's probably not. She's like in Europe. But it is that that is upstairs. And so Hazel Grace is getting up to the Belieber diary. She's got to lug things up there and they move through the house. They get to this room where Otto Frank um, Anne's dad is like um, reiterating, like, where are my kids? Things like that. And he's they take this moment. Him. We should say he's not actually there. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he's not there. It's a, <laughs> it's a recording. <laughs> It's a recording and they take this moment to be like, what if we kissed in the Anne Frank Museum? What if that's where we have our first kiss? And, and, and they, they, do. they do. They do. And also to be in defense of Hazel, she's immediately like, this was probably not the r- 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 wrong place, wrong time for this. Um, but for some reason, everybody applauds. Okay. Here, <laughs> I have a contrary opinion to this. So when I first, when I read, read the scene, I was like, okay, weird. But also like, she and Anne Frank are so connected. Like she just had this entire journey up the mm-hmm. stairs. Yeah. She Peter Van Houten just called her a side effect. And maybe I'm like reading Aww. too much into it, but yeah. I also feel like why else have her go to the Anne Frank house? But like a lot of times, like the groups that were killed by the Nazis were also called cancer. Mm-hmm. They were called side effects. Aww. They were called evolutionary, like problems um yeah so like she's in this house that like has that sort of meaning to it where she's mm-hmm. dying she's set to die and so was Anne Frank like set to die and they're both these like young girls and she gets to the top and I just feel like I wouldn't want anyone else to kiss in the Anne Frank house I think that's yeah. not good but I do think maybe for them it's these two characters who like despite everything are finding love in this like really tragic place yeah um, and yeah. so I kind of feel like it's okay I love but that I yeah. get it being a little weird like yeah. it like symbolizes it's a, little, it's a little weird definitely but I get where you're going I do love it. the idea of like it symbolizes like we have to we have to live um yeah. now while we can because we don't know especially them like they don't know when they're gonna and, die yeah, I, I can imagine you know <laughs> Anne Frank was there yes like, hypothesize yeah, I'm like she would have been a believer, yeah, and she, she would have really loved longer. people hanging out in that attic. <laughs> she would have been happy to see love, maybe. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, but speaking of looking for love, um, they're gonna take this little kiss fest out of Anne Frank's house <laughs> and back to Augustus's room. Um, but we should point out here that um, this is now like the third time in the book that it's mentioned that he's winced. Uh, in pain just by doing a normal action Uh, so something's up but we're not going to address it now because right now they're going to get comfy cozy unclothed and they're going to have sex 
He's tired, but he's powering through. And he was ready for this. He brought a condom. So yeah, and he also took off his his pant, his like metal leg. And yeah. then she was like, um, he's like just telling, explaining to her, he's like, this is what it feels like. And then she's like, get over yourself. Like, I don't give a fuck. And so it's a very sweet moment. Yeah. Very sweet. She finally says, I love you back. And he smiles his little Augustus Waters goofy mm-hmm. smile. And they have sex. And it seems like it's it's a nice thing. And the next day they're getting coffee. Um, and Hazel's mom is like, you know, maybe you two should talk. I'll give you guys time to talk. So <laughs> Gus takes Hazel on a walk and he's explaining a bit on the pain um, that he had previously. Mm. He says that he went in for a scan and he lit up everywhere um, uh, with cancer. Yeah. I When I first read this book in high school, I like, because I knew I was like the entire book I was reading it and I, I had no idea what was going to happen. But I was like, he's going to be the one that dies, isn't it? They're like, they're teasing it up too much because she's the one who's depressed. She's the one who's talking about dying and she's a grenade. And I was like, they're going to flip it on us. And so I was anticipating it. And when they flipped it, I cried so much when I read that he let, like, I lit up like a Christmas tree line when I like initially first read this. Mm. Cause like, what, how is that so shitty? <laughs> I don't know how I felt on it, but I did write something pretty fucking psychotic, which um about john green's decision in Wait, when 2014 did you write this, Maggie? okay yeah 2014 i said i did love his decision to go with a strong female lead and kill off the weaker male character and then i put in parentheses complete sarcasm i heavily considered crying when gus died which is so girl boss of me in 2014 was, when we're like wow, we have to very kill cool, Maggie. Maggie. very manic pixie dream girl of you Maggie. <laughs> i know you don't need no man <laughs> yeah i said we don't need no man um I it's listen it's it's such a cringe article that I can if anyone wants to find it I'll link it but um <laughs> um but they uh fly back home uh they drink champagne on the plane the flight attendant's just like y'all can have it because clearly um one of you has cancer so like it's on us um and their dad picks them up at the airport and I did write down this is interesting because when they're going to Amsterdam, they talk about parking their car and taking like the bus from the parking lot to the airport uh, terminal. So why is their dad picking them up now? What happened to the car in the parking lot? <laughs> oh, that's my plot hole. found the largest plot hole. And I'm pissed about it. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, but yeah, it, things things are really going down downhill fast for so guys. Fast. Too. He is deteriorating pretty fast back at home. Hazel is kind of catching Isaac up on Amsterdam. And um, she's, I don't know. I don't think she goes into too much detail, but she just in, um, in, initiates i don't know yeah that gus is just not doing too hot there these this like the rest of the book is written of like little blips from like moments of days which i think is really just like um so devastating it's really relatable because it's just disorienting and it's like you can only you know focus on like the good or the bad at these points because everything else kind of just feels like every single day is the same i kind of love it too because it like it sliced time in half the yeah. chapters were just like a page exactly and it's yeah. just going no, it just so very fast illegal. yeah and i think also just to clarify like n- drugs aren't working on Gus. like he's yeah. on chemo, yeah but it's not working he's on some specialty stuff it's not working he's just dying yeah um, i think she has a chapter as you guys mentioned that she just talks about like what a typical day looks like where mm-hmm. she just goes over to the house mm-hmm. um gus's parents house they hang out um they play video games um they just kind of 
chill all day before she just like goes back to her yeah. house kind of like what every day is like um and i think like her parents are starting to feel her absence because she's just gone all the time mm-hmm. with us and like yeah it's just not looking good he's just like deteriorating yeah like, he's deteriorating really- but he does have enough energy um, when Isaac comes over to learn that Monica, his ex, still hasn't called, which is very shitty, um, that she has not called since he's gone blind. So Gus is like, we're going to go egg her house. And so Gus, Isaac, and Hazel, they get some aggression out by egging Monica. And it's a very sweet moment because Gus has to like guide Isaac where he's going. So he's like simultaneously like comforting Isaac being like no no you don't deserve this a little bit more left like she is the one who okay and a little bit more higher so you can get her car door um left you so and very funny scene um and Monica's mom comes out and Gus is like you get back inside right now you don't because of what your daughter did and her mom does her mom's yeah, like you know what mom does. it's a it's a very it is a very cute scene. Yeah, it's, I feel like it's they needed something to break up how um, emotionally draining, like, the drop of uh, Gus having cancer and, like, the rest of the book. They just needed some moments of, like, good in there. Um, but a week after that, uh, Gus uh, ends up in the ER, and then he is immediately bound to a wheelchair from there. And yeah, then- you're not talking about how he ends up in the ER. Like she, he goes to the gas station. No, that's after the wheelchair. So he, um, in he's in the wheelchair, and then which actually I don't really get how that makes sense because there's a scene. The scene that Elena is talking about is, um, in between this moment, like he's he's not good. Hazel's mm-hmm. gone over. He's pissed the bed. Um, he's yeah. like stressing out because right. he's like it's it's coming. It's it's ending. And they have an exchange where she's like really upset. She's like. Um, I don't know why you're stressing out that you're not special to anyone. You're special enough to me. And yes, you're not going to get to do the things you want to in life. And this just like sends him over the edge because she wakes up at 2.30 a.m. and she gets a call from him and it's a call for help that he's driven to the gas station himself. um, Mm. But he's like not doing good. He has vomited all over himself when she gets there. And he's just so sad because he can't do the simple act of purchasing a pack of cigarettes yeah um Um, he says he just wanted to do like one final thing all by himself and it's just it's so sad i remember crying reading this in high school this specific scene i thought it was the saddest scene yeah and like his character so far that we've seen to be so confident yeah yeah like so sure of himself and so like strong right like not just physically but just like emotionally strong and mm-hmm. he's like collapsed upon himself um in this parking lot and it's just yeah. really hard to read it is i'm yeah. he's he's sobbing he's like i hate that this is how my life is and that i'll die not great and um she ends up calling 911 because she can kind of see too that his chest is getting infected mm-hmm. and so after this 911 visit they move him upstairs in his house his sisters now are over and it seems like that like relationship where he's like just way younger than the siblings um yeah. and they don't really have a relationship besides what they might know through their parents of him yeah and he asked to go outside hazel's like this is the last good day before his last good day um uh and gus's dad thanks hazel like just for like existing and that's so like sweet i got really yeah. sad when i read that it was just like uh so sad it is really sad um 
And then Hazel does, um, going back to the last good day part, Hazel does have a fight with her parents Mm -hmm. um, going to what she now knows is Gus's last good day. She says a whole thing about you never know when the last good day is until you are like fully aware it's the last good day. Yeah. Um, So Gus invites her to um, the place that support group is at for at 8 p.m. that night, which is in like a couple hours. And she has this huge fight with her parents because they're so mad that they hardly see her anymore. And she's just like, my boyfriend's dying. Just let me have this. Um, and they, they back off, which, but it it was definitely, um, and she, she brings up like that when she was in the ER, when she was 13, her mom had said, um, I'm never going to be a mom again. Yeah. Um, and that kind of just stuck with Hazel for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she brought that up in the fight where she's like, you're never going to be a mom again and your life's going to suck and it's going to be horrible when I die. And her mom immediately was like, you heard that? Yeah. yeah. And they talked about that and her mom is like, I'm still going to be a mom. I'm always going to be a mom. And then she tells her that she's taking night classes at the u- local university mm-hmm. um, and that she wants to become a counselor for children and parents who are going this, through the same stuff that she's going through. Uh, and Hazel's so happy. She's just like, because I think her biggest fear is that like her parents will fall apart when she dies. Yeah. And doesn't want that to happen. Yeah. And that that knowledge we learn of her mom comes like later on because right now mm-hmm. is when she's kind of laying into them about how they need a life outside of her, which like, thank mm-hmm. fucking God, her mom's taking night classes. Jesus Christ. Right. So <laughs> Hazel is on her way after this big blowout with her mom. She's going to the eulogy for Gus's mock funeral. He's running while still being alive. Um, Isaac is there. He is saying things like, Gus is a narcissist, but in the future, when doctors show up with eyes that can make you see, I will choose not to since I won't be able to see Gus anymore, which is really sad. And then Hazel says, oh, guys, I'm going to start crying. Hazel's like, you gave me forever in numbered days. Oh, my God. And I'm grateful for that, Um, which is so it's so sweet. It's like forever really is just the moments that you make with a person. Yeah. Um, And then. They leave it at that. Um, and then he dies eight days later. Yeah. Yeah. And then she talks about like she calls Isaac and then she realizes that she has nobody else to call because like the person she wants to call about Isaac, about Augustus dying was Augustus. Uh, yeah. She, she says that, that line always breaks me too. She says it feels like the pleasure of remembering had been taken from me since there was no one to remember it with. Yeah. <laughs> and she like immediately just like goes onto his like Facebook wall and just like watches the people posting which is like an exact juxtaposition to what she was doing when she was stalking his ex-girlfriend and she's just kind of having all of these realizations that these people don't really like know him at all and they're like thoughts prayers memories you were so good at basketball and she's like it's so ironic that all of these people are like grieving someone they didn't even like really know yeah she says writing does not resurrect it buries yeah yeah, I think that that made me really sad as well because yeah. you just think about there's been a few kids from my high school who have now passed away, but I wasn't close to them. But mm-hmm. that same sort of stuff happens. Everyone just posts on their wall yeah. um, and says what they think is nice things, but it's also like like one thing Hazel really hates is when people say like he fought a courageous battle. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't like when people say that and she doesn't like it when they say it at his funeral because she feels like that's just like a thing to say and it's not real because it's not courageous because it's unfair and it sucks Mm -hmm. um and I think Mm -hmm. that's like I don't know it's just like you won't know it unless you experience it 
And yeah. I do think this this like sentiment, she carries it into the next scene going to the funeral of um, like in those moments, she knew him more intimately than other people. And I think when someone who dies young and very tragically, all these people show up because um, they're more disillusioned with the possibility more than the person. Um, mm-hmm. And she's kind of feeling this at the funeral. She goes up mm-hmm. to his open casket she gives him a kiss on the cheek and like slips a cigarette into his casket um like you can smoke this later and really just wants this moment to be like alone she's like i don't i don't want to share this in front of people um because the thing they shared was like a very real thing as opposed to Mm -hmm. like a performance which open casket funerals fucking feel like i mean like it's like it's you're performing and you get robbed of those last moments i didn't want to touch like my aunt or my grandma because i'm like I you you have a special relationship with them that either it's like distant and you feel like you're putting on an act if you do too much, but it's also your final goodbye. So yeah. how do you reconcile that? Yeah, she even mentions like she, she reads a completely different eulogy because she like acknowledges like funerals are for the living. Yeah. And like this isn't my goodbye to Gus. This is me like easing the pain of everybody else here. Uh, which was parents. also really yeah. yeah. I think that's so true it's like when people talk about like what you want to do after you die people will be like um they're like oh do you want to get buried or do you want to get burned or like Mm -hmm. um like what's Mm -hmm. what do you want to do but in the end it's kind of like whatever just makes your family feel at peace with your dad the fuck does it matter with you like you're dead like yeah um, yeah seriously (laughs) it's a really it's a really good point when she makes that and yeah. Hazel cannot dodge a fucking bullet because at this <laughs> funeral, the person who's sitting behind her is Peter Van Hooten or whatever his name is. And she has to go. She after the funeral, he asks if he can hitch a ride and he gets in with her parents and he's just drinking in the backseat. And she's <laughs> livid. She's so mad. It's so funny. This is like, again, like I feel like John Green did such a good job of putting like these moments of like comedic relief in between all of these like heavy heavy moments yeah I feel like this book just like just like went down the spiral of like everything with just Gus deteriorating and dying like I feel like we'd all just be in like a pit of just absolute shambles and despair yeah um but this all of this Peter stuff is honestly I was like like it was just hilarious like he's getting a ride from her parents and he's saying that like Augustus convinced him to come to his funeral to absolve him of his behavior in Amsterdam yeah. and he's like dude get get away from me yeah yeah she says he keeps being like do you want to know what happens to Anna's mother do you want to know the end and she's like no thank you I'm okay and he keeps pushing it and eventually she's like you know what? I think you are a pathetic alcoholic and I feel bad for you. Get out of my car and have yeah. an excellent life. Um, which yeah. comes from a child. I would feel embarrassed. Yeah, you should. Um, but uh, a, a day or so after this funeral, she goes over to Isaac's and they're and they're playing his, his blind video games, which are all like voice activated, we learned. And Isaac says that, oh, hey, by the way, Augustus was like writing something for you before he passed away. And Hazel's like, oh, my God, he was actually trying to write the ending like he said he was. I need to find these pages if they exist. Um, so, so she's about to, like, drive uh, to, you know, his his house. 
and Peter pops up in her backseat again as she's driving, <laughs> which is hilarious. And he's like, hey, I think we got off on the wrong foot back at the funeral. <laughs> um, and they, they end up actually having a really good conversation because they, they kind of, she kind of learns like he's an alcoholic because he had um, a, a kid who died of cancer and mm-hmm. it ruined his marriage. And that's what he wrote the book for. And all of that. So they kind of talk it out and then they leave it at that. They say goodbye. And she watches him in the rear view mirror. She's pulling away and she's like hoping he's going to stop drinking so he can like just get back to what he's good at and start writing books again. But he just keeps drinking on the curb, which is really sad. Oh man. She's like sober up, start writing again, dude. And he's like, he's like okay. And then he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she's sad. Yeah. <laughs> so she's sad. Um, but she ends up like looking for the pages. She can't find them. A few days later, uh, Augustus's dad calls and says he found a notebook that has missing pages, but he doesn't know where the pages are. Um, mm. And so she's kind of like, dang it, maybe this is a lost cause. Um, she ends oh, up she going- lays in his bed to smell him yeah. one last time. Uh, she never smells his scent again after that. That was a sad scene. That was that really is, sad. That is really sad. I God, the scent thing is like such a devastating thing to see. Before I got my grandma's couch, uh, my mom was cleaning it, and I saw her smelling it, and Aww. I just can't even imagine how much that must hurt for someone you yeah. really love like that. Yeah. Um, but. Hazel does go to support group. She's mad, obviously, um, and is just like, I want to die nonstop, which very relatable. And afterwards, she has the moment that Elena was mentioning previously where she freaks out on her mom and her mom admits that she is actually taking classes, um, studying to get her MSW to counsel similar families. Mm -hmm. And she also makes her parents swear. She's like, swear you will stay together. And they're like, yeah, we'll stay together. It's fine. Yeah. They're like, Hazel, we, we love you, but like, we're going to be fine after, after you die, um, which Hazel's relieved by, which, um, I thought was actually really cute. Um, but the next day, Caitlin calls Hazel to see how she's doing. And it's, it's an interesting, uh, moment here because usually it's like, Hey, it was Hazel calling Caitlin to tap in about like girl things, but now Caitlin's asking Hazel for like tips Mm -hmm. and she's like, Hey, what's it like being in love? And through this conversation with Caitlin, she realizes the pages that Augustus wrote would have gotten mailed to Peter. So she's got to get get a hold of those pages somehow. Um, so she hits up his assistant and is like, hey, can you go get those pages for me? And uh, the assistant's a ride or die and is like, yes, I will do anything I can to get those pages back. And I'm going to break into his house with my boyfriend. And similar to, I think, the end of Looking for Alaska, I think that these pages deserve to be read. Um, Similar to what's-his-name responding to the eternal damnation question. Yeah. Um, But the thing that uh, Gus writes over a few days to Peter is Van Houten. It starts off. I'm a good person, but a shitty writer. You're a shitty person, but a good writer. We'd make a good team. I don't want to ask you any favors, but if you have time and from what I saw, you have plenty. I was wondering if you could write a eulogy for Hazel. I've got notes and everything, but if you could just make it into a coherent whole or whatever, or even just tell me what I should say differently. Here's the thing about Hazel. Almost everyone is obsessed with leaving a mark upon the world, bequeathing a legacy, outlasting death. We all want to be remembered. I do too. 
that's what bothers me most, is being another unremembered casualty in the ancient and inglorious war against disease. I want to leave a mark. But, Van Houten, the marks humans leave are too often scars. You build a hideous minimal or start a coup or try to become a rock star and you think they'll remember me now, but they don't remember you, and all you leave behind are more scars. Your coup becomes a dictatorship. Your minimal becomes a lesion. Okay, maybe I'm not such a shitty writer, but I can't pull my ideas together. My thoughts are stars. I can't fathom into constellations. We are like a bunch of dogs squirting on fire hydrants. We poison the groundwater with our toxic piss, marking everything mine in a ridiculous attempt to survive our deaths. I can't stop pissing on fire hydrants. I know it's silly and useless, especially useless in my current state, but I am an animal like any other. Hazel is different. She walks lightly, old man. She walks lightly upon the earth. Hazel knows the truth. We're as likely to hurt the universe as we are to help it, and we're more we're not likely to do either. People will say it's sad that she leaves a lesser scar, that fewer remember her, that she was loved deeply but not widely, but it's not sad. It's triumphant. It's heroic. Isn't that the real heroism? Like the doctors say, first do no harm. The real heroes, anyway, aren't the people doing things. The real heroes are the people noticing things, paying attention. The guy who invented the smallpox vaccine didn't actually invent anything. He just noticed that people with cowpox didn't get smallpox. After my PET scan lit up, I snuck into the ICU and saw her while she was unconscious. I just walked in behind a nurse with a badge and I got to sit next to her for like 10 minutes before I got caught. I really thought she was going to die before I could tell her that I was going to die too. It was brutal. The incessant mechanized harrowing of intensive care. She had this dark cancer water drip out, dripping out of her chest, eyes closed, incubated, but her hand was still her hand, still warm, and the nails painted this almost dark blue, and I just held her hand and tried to imagine the world without us, and for about one second, I was a good enough person to hope she died so she would never know that I was going to, but then I wanted more time so we could fall in love. I got my wish, okay. I suppose. I left my scar. A nurse guy came in and told me I had to leave, that visitors weren't allowed, and I asked if she was doing okay, and the guy said she's still taking on water, a desert blessing, an ocean curse. What else? She is so beautiful. You don't get tired of looking at her. You never worry if she is smarter than you. You know she is. She is funny without ever being mean. I love her. I am so lucky to love her. You don't get to choose who if you get hurt in this world, but you do have some say in who hurts you. I like my choices. I hope she likes hers. Yeah, John Green can write a freaking ending. Like, if there's one thing I think we've learned this season, on like, no matter how, like, shitty some of his stories have been, he can write, like, just paragraphs, paragraphs wrapping up just, like, a beautiful thought and, like, moment in time in these books. Um, I do think it turns, like, a very negative, too, into a net positive of, like, these aren't things you can control and, like, on a smaller scale, you know, like, we'll have, like, have falling outs with friends, we'll have Mm -hmm. um, people come and go in our lives, and, Mm -hmm. like, I I love the idea of, like, we are honored to, like, take on those scars and the time Mm -hmm. that we have with them, no matter brief, um, because, like, I think it is, it is tragic to lose anyone in any matter. Yeah. Um, so I just thought that was like a really nice way of like turning it into being yeah. like, I was so honored to be like hurt by her or to yeah. get to leave a scar for her. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, but that's it. That's, that's the fault in our stars. Um, we, we opted out of a top five this episode, but we didn't really think it would be appropriate. Agreed. We didn't think it would be appropriate, but we did opt that we would discuss a canceled character for this episode. Um, I, I feel like we might all have the same canceled MVP. character. 
uh, and an MVP. Uh, but I, I think I would like to elect Peter Van uh, Houten or Van Houten as the canceled character because he was just plain awful. Yeah, he was. Um, I think like I thought he was like evil, mm-hmm. and then I thought he was actually terrible when he said those things. Yeah, about, um, like being after like um being side effects i was like ooh, yeah (laughs) yeah that was nuts he definitely he took the canceled character card um god mvp that's a fun one elena yeah yeah i gotta think i mean honestly i think I'll, i'll say hazel i mean i think um if she is the manic pixie dream girl um i i i aspire to be the kind of person who just like lives without recognition you know and like yeah being being someone who spreads love and it doesn't have to be like i left a great mark or legacy yeah. so i think i want to elect hazel's mom i feel like hazel's mom is uh the, the like picture perfect mom in this world like she i think she's stern in a loving way i think she backs off when she knows she needs to back off and she's nothing but just like supportive um so that's who i would elect as an mvp Okay. I also would elect Hazel's mom. I think she's hot in the movie. <laughs> uh, well, she is hot in the movie. But, okay, she's played uh, by Laura Dern, so you're right. Laura yeah. Dern, so obviously. But um, yeah, no, she's she is truly such a good mother to Hazel. Yeah. And like, I just felt like Hazel must be very lucky to have those parents with her like when she was going through this because it's unimaginable what the parents are going yeah. through. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's that's a really cool um, part of her. And I like, I, I never found her irritating in the book. Sometimes I find parents to be very dumb in books. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, he wrote really, really good. A, a lot of really good parental figures in this book. Like they all felt like very like real humans, which I really liked. Yeah. Um, but that's going to be it for this episode. Um, Elena, we want to thank you again for not only reading the book, watching the movie. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah, that you know what? I gotta do what I gotta do for my girls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. We love you for it. Um, but that's going to be it for this episode of yeah, we read it and we will be back next week where we are reading will grayson will grayson with another special one of our friends who's going to be on next time uh nick nick my boyfriend nick olson is going to be on yep your boyfriend nick? we're switching partners it's it's laura's turn nick's oh time to be God. in the hot seat elena if people want to keep up with you where should they find you online oh um I guess for my fun content, you can request to follow me on Instagram. <laughs> um, it's a mystery. at Alvarella, um, E-L-L-E-V as in victory, A-R-E-L-A. Or you can follow me for very generic journalism content on Twitter at the same handle. Um, so pick your, pick your poison. I want to say that Instagram is more fun and I never post on Twitter. That is right, folks. Elena is a very smart journalist and she encourages you to mix pills with alcohol. (laughs) Lest we forget that Elena encourages you to uh, get addicted to pills but your alcohol tolerance is higher. Listen up, guys. I know a thing or two about drugs. So. No, Where Elena you- is the oh. smart one. Elena is like, don't Elena do that. So smart. Um, <laughs> but uh- <laughs> don't do that. Guys, don't do that. Um, and yeah, <laughs> if you want to keep, bit. don't do that. 
if you want to keep up with us, we are on uh, Twitter and TikTok at Yahweh Reddit. We're on Instagram at Maggie underscore and underscore Laura. And please email us. Um, getting emails is very fun. So if you want to pop one off, uh, we are Maggie and Laura present at gmail.com. And, I and think that's it. that is it. Uh, thank you all again. We'll see you next week. Thank you.